What's the difference between a practical prepper and a doomsday prepper? Have you ever thought about that? I've thought about that. In fact, we're going to talk about that when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. We appreciate you being here with us today. And this is Mark, and that's Krista sitting over there looking all beautiful. <laughs> and we're going to share some things with you today. Before we do that, we've got just a couple of announcements. We have instituted what we're calling Quick Tips, and these are three to nine minute episodes that come on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, and these will be focusing on efficiency or cost savings or new ideas. Most of them will be about prepping, but hey, we'll pass along any great ideas that we get. Also, don't forget, if you don't get our newsletter, we have a free email newsletter, and all you have to do is send us an email and tell us that you would like to receive that. You can do that through the website by clicking on Contact Us, or you can email info at practicalprepping.info. And let me also add that our regular podcast will fall on Mondays and Thursdays. Yes. So you'll hear from us Monday through Friday. Right. And you can even listen on Saturday or Sunday. Sure you can. We've got some folks that listen every day that started back at episode one and they're going through them in order. Nice. And I was uh, got a note from one the other day and he said he was on episode 111. Wow. So thank he's you. got a ways to go. That's a very faithful lister. That we do appreciate is. that. And we've got a lady overseas that says that she binge listens <laughs> while she's working in her garden. Well, isn't that cool? You know, a lot of people do that. You do that. You'll listen to a podcast on your earbuds while you're doing something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes even driving or watching some mindless television program but you're actually listening to a podcast and i have actually figured out how to do it on the lawnmower oh i put my earbuds in and then i put a set of earmuffs over those well sweet so yeah anyway all righty our topic today is prepping for events we are likely or not likely to face you know because i posed the question at the top of the podcast What's the difference between a practical prepper and a doomsday prepper? And we're Mm -hmm. actually going to talk about that because there are schools of thought on either way. And so it might just depend on how you define yourself, dear listener. Are you one of the doomsday preppers or are you more of a practical prepper? Well, really, you know, prepping is a personal endeavor. So there's no wrong way to do this. I would agree with that. To some degree. I mean, you know, if you... If you all your prepping efforts is guns and ammo, that's wrong. You're going to have some problems if you don't have food and water. Right. But again, we're stating that regardless of where you find yourself on this globe, you're going to have different mm-hmm. threats and different risks that you face that aren't going to match everybody else's. Yeah, and, and what works for us may or may not work for you. Mm-hmm. What works for you may or may not work for yeah, us. Yeah, we don't prep for avalanches, tsunamis, and volcanoes. Yeah, we it, actually just, we don't. 
That's not something that we even put any consideration into when it comes to our personal prepping, because this area, two things, we've never had enough snow to have an avalanche. Right. And we don't have a mountain high enough or steep enough to have an avalanche. And we're not close to the coastline, so a tsunami is tsunami is not a problem. If it gets uh, 250, 275 miles inland one way or about 400 miles inland the other way, and I don't expect one to come from Canada anyway, but (laughs) that's uh, just not something that we prep for. But if you live in those areas, then you need to be preparing for those things. Well, it's like you've said time and time again, you've got to prepare for the threats that you are likely to face. Yeah, you need to do that personal threat assessment. What's the most likely thing you're going to face? Now, for us, it's weather related. Exactly. And it will usually be a power outage due to a tornado, a windstorm, an occasional snow or ice storm, and those are very rare that take down the power, but it can happen. But what else could you likely face? Well, you know, we could likely face and are actually involved right now in supply chain issues. Sure. And we have seen some issues with that. We've not been able to get the things that we wanted when we wanted them at the grocery store. And another one that's hitting really close to home right now is financial downturn in the face of inflation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I hate to be the doom and gloom here, but we are likely looking at a recession probably coming next year. Well, we're in a recession. If you look at the if you look at the the truest definition of historical definition of recession, we are in a recession. And I just hope we don't go to a depression. Yes, exactly. I don't think we will. But that is a possibility. And so we do need to be preparing for that financial downturn. And we've talked about that. We have tightened our belt. We've cut out a lot of our impulse buying. We have delayed some purchases of some things that we would like to have. But we're going to wait. We're going to wait until we see an end to this financial crunch coming. And so... That's something that we could be facing, and we could face health issues. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in the over-60 crowd, so, yeah. you know, health concerns are of a different stripe for mm-hmm. us right now, and we have to be a, quite a bit more mindful about preventative health care and good ongoing maintenance of this old body we carry around. Yeah, and sometimes it's getting harder and harder to take care of that thing. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to get it out of bed in the morning, but thankfully it gets up every day and we're able to move around and with vitamin I, ibuprofen. Ah, vitamin I. <laughs> yeah, we're we're able to get done what we need to get done. You know, we used to snicker and giggle at sometimes at some of our elder relatives who were moaning and groaning about their aches and their pains because we were young and Mm -hmm. whippersnappers. But, you know, we're over 60 now, and we apologize to every (laughs) elder family member we ever snickered at because, hey, you are not kidding about that. There's aches and pains out there. Yeah, and we grunt and groan when we get up out of the chair. (laughs) That's how you know you you have stepped away from youth and you're now into old age. Mm -hmm. If you make a sound either getting into the chair or coming out of it, You are now no longer young. Now, our body cameras that we wear when we're on duty, they record consistently 
But when you turn it on, when you press the activate button, it adds the last 30 seconds to the tape. Oh, that's good. Well, unless you're getting out of the car. Oh. oh. <laughs> so what I do personally, when I get out of the car, I wait 30 seconds before I activate it. So anybody watching that tape doesn't get the, oh, with me trying to get out of that car. So okay. learn that the hard way well, by watching one of my videos and it had the getting out of the car part. I used to turn it on as I pulled up and now I wait at least that 30 seconds after I get out of the car or make sure that I don't grunt and groan for the tape while getting out of the car. Well, your secret's out now. All right, let's take a break for our sponsors and we'll come back and talk about some of the biggies that some folks are prepping for. Is your website old and tired? I saw one recently that was basically name, address, and phone number. No online shopping, not even an email. It looked like an ad in the phone book back in the 80s. If this describes your website, it's time to call ProLine Digital Group. Eric and his team can bring you into the 2020s with a website makeover or an updated logo or both. Get the most out of your website. Call ProLine Digital Group your custom, reliable, innovative solution. Their link from our website. The best way to win a gunfight is to avoid it before it starts. We've covered situational awareness in some episodes, but Sean Rafferty from Base Handgun Training System has taken it much further with his courses, including situational awareness while driving, while in parking lots, in garages, and on public transportation. Learn to see the danger before you become the victim. Check it out. Base Handgun Training System. The link is on our website at www.practicalprepping.info. Use the code PRACTICALPREPPING, all one word, for a $50 discount. So welcome back. I'm glad that you have joined us again. We're going to talk about the threats and events that we are not likely to face, but could possibly happen. Yeah, there's some things that are possible, but they're really not likely. And these are things that generally would be societal changing events. These so, are the ones that would change life as we know it. And that's what caused us to think about the doomsday preppers. There was a television show by that title, mm -hmm. and the idea behind that was to focus on certain individuals or families, and they had a singular topic that they were preparing for, and it had to be something almost outlandish in a way. They did choose extreme people to some degree, mm -hmm. but now these folks that tended to be a bit extreme, they were actually fairly well-rounded in their prepping but the producers of Doomsday Preppers did not show that. They edited it in such a way to make them seem like they were half-baked and on the edge. Yeah, and it made them look like this is the only event that we are prepping for. Right. One episode was some couple was or family was prepping for a global pandemic, and it showed them timing the putting on of their PPE, their personal protective equipment, including gas masks. Now, we did see the COVID pandemic, but that had a 99% survival rate. You and I both had that. Right. Many of our listeners have had it. Many of our friends and family have had COVID. 
But what about a pandemic with a 20% survival rate or a 10% survival rate? Well, yes. And I mean, this is where we have to stay aware. It's kind of frightful to think about, but there are evidences that there are containers of smallpox Mm -hmm. and also Ebola. You know, several years ago here in America, some missionaries that were American were working in Africa and contracted Ebola, and they airlifted them back to Emory University mm-hmm. in Atlanta for Ebola treatment. And it was a highly guarded situation because of the contagion and the survival rate was so low mm-hmm. with Ebola. And these people actually pulled through, but they were very, very sick, and they were in high levels of isolation. Now, imagine if that had been widespread. Oh, my word. That yeah. would be societal changing. Yes, it would. But we're really not that likely to face it, although we could. So you're talking about the very extreme dangerous risks that are not likely but possible. Exactly. So do we prep for that? So that's what I'm asking. Well, there's some prepping that can be done for that, but we're not, we personally are not buying all this PPE and have a like a biohazard suit. Biohazard suits and yeah, stuff. Although I do have one in the car that thankfully my son in law got for me when we were going into certain situations with COVID that if it was a situation where I needed to, I could put that on. When we're looking at this kind of a thing, we're also putting into this category of things that could happen, but that are not very likely nuclear attack. You know, that's kind of been in the news lately because of all of the saber rattling going on between Russia and Ukraine, Mm -hmm. where Putin has made some statements, some of these, I'm paraphrasing here, the I'm not kidding, I'm serious about Mm -hmm. using whatever is at my disposal to effect this. And nuclear weapons were mentioned. Yes. On the show, Doomsday Preppers, they showed them getting to and into their bunker and sealing off their bunkers and having dosimeters and Geiger counters. Oh, wow. A nuclear attack would be serious. I mean, it really would. would, And that would be societal changing. Mm -hmm. Now, how about global famine? Well, there are some areas of the world that experience that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drought-stricken areas, not only across the globe, but in America this year have been pretty serious, where harvests have been severely cut, and then other places where they can't produce any food, and they're really dependent on other countries to supply food for them. But in a total global famine, the other countries are not going to be able to provide for that food. Right. It kind of, you know, you're looking at prepping on a large national scale. Yes. And in that particular TV program, they showed them storing five years of food, storing heirloom seeds, which I have no problem with, but they were storing years and years and years worth. And even having horses for plowing and having breeding operations set up, I'm not against homesteading. I would enjoy us being able to homestead, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to live life worried about a global famine and go to the point of getting horses to plow with. Or, you know, like breeding stock, chickens, ducks, Mm -hmm. goats, pigs. I mean, pretty much farming. Right, but to be able to do it for others in addition to your family as well. Right. 
Now, one that always got me and it gets me from time to time, and a lot of people look at this as one of their first prepping scenarios, and that's either an EMP or a CME. Okay, for those that may be new, explain those acronyms. Well, an electromagnetic pulse, which is man-made from a bomb, a nuclear bomb that's exploded at high altitude, and it would totally and completely devastate the power grid. Now, CME is a coronal mass ejection, which is the sun doing basically the same thing as an EMP and emitting this huge burst of energy. And we saw this back in the 1800s with the Carrington event. Well, we didn't actually see it. Not that either one of us personally (laughs) were there. Hey, come uh, on, give us a break. Some of the folks that I work with think that I probably was. <laughs> uh, they, they've got me back in the Revolutionary War. Some of your buddies from the cavalry? There. Yes, they have. <laughs> and I said, you laugh. You try to qualify with a flint lock. <laughs> oh, dear. When you have to fire 12 rounds in 25 seconds. Yikes. So anyway, anyway. what it did was it, since we didn't have the electrical grid that we have now, but we had the telegraph wires It took some of those down. It started some fires at some of the telegraph stations. Both would achieve the same thing here today in that it would devastate our power grid. And on that show, they were focusing primarily on building Faraday cages and storing all kinds of electronics, radios, batteries, tablets, computer equipment. And they were building dams on streams to make small hydroelectric plants. I mean, that is extreme. That's a bit extreme. That is. Now, it could happen. But just not likely. It's just not likely. I hear you. And nuclear war. We kind of talked about this a while ago with a nuclear attack. And we saw people storing potassium iodide. Now, that's not potassium iodine, it's iodide. Different chemical. It's a different chemical. It's a medication that protects the thyroid. And there are some folks that are planning for the nuclear winter after that. Exactly explain what a nuclear winter means. Basically, it's so much junk in the atmosphere that it blocks out a lot of the sun. So you're talking about a a rapid and severe decrease in temperature. A decrease in temperature, a decrease in sunlight. So you're talking about like plant life and animal life would eradicate. That, or it would not be able to grow because of the lack of sunlight. Almost describing the Ice Age type thing. Mm-hmm. Or the, there were some volcanoes in, historically that produced so much ash in the atmosphere that it did change the temperature of the mm-hmm. Earth for a time. Yes. Personally, we don't want to survive a total nuclear war. That's just not one I want to be here after. That's something Mark and I actually have discussed. We mm-hmm. have we've talked about that. Believe me, we're not people that have a death wish. And if you want to survive and and thrive from that, that is your personal decision to make. But just from what we understand about the survivability and what life would be like, 
we feel personally that it would be better for us to just go on and be with the Lord. Yes. Uh, I'd like to have 30 minutes notice so we could get in the swing out back and watch the fireworks. Well, you know, we're being, it sounds like we're being glib and we're, we're really not, but that's just our personal decision that if that's the case, if we know for a fact that there's no turning back and that mm-hmm. that's happening and we live in an area that very well may be on somebody's target list. Well, we're absolutely certain that it's yeah. on their their so, list. So there will be uh, no survivors within probably five miles of our house. All right. So we we truly do believe that our our time would be better served in eternity with Jesus. Oh, absolutely. And we're not kidding about that. No, we're we're dead yeah, serious about serious. that. That's not one that we would want to be here. Now, being Christians and looking at end time events from an eschatological standpoint then we don't think that that would happen until during the tribulation. And there will be at least a third of the earth destroyed, probably by nuclear weapons, during the tribulation. Mm -hmm. So if you plan to be here at that point in time, you need to make some plans for that. But I would plan to not be here but to be with the Lord at that point in time. Well, let's talk about total societal collapse. And there have been some that for the last few years have said we're on the brink Mm -hmm. of societal collapse. And some would say that we're already seeing the collapse today. In some areas, it looks like it's already collapsed. I think there have been some brief episodes of pockets of societal failure. I mean, a full-on collapse no, but we've seen occupied cities, for example. Mm-hmm. This indicates that law was suspended as we know it. But those things didn't seem to last very long. They collapsed uh, onto themselves, even. And they were in a limited area, so you had a limited scope with that. Right. But if we see a total societal collapse, we're going to be looking at a situation that is totally without the rule of law. I mean, that's the wild, wild west. Or where, worse. Where it could be because you, you you pretty much have to enact your own law at that point. Exactly. And there's going to be nothing available from the normal supply chain. Exactly. If you have that total societal breakdown. Now, let's talk about some of the things that we are fully confident that we will not face. Zombie invasion. <laughs> And I think that would be because there's no such thing as the undead. That's only in the Hollywood movies or it's, the A&E series. And it's it, it's fun to watch and fun to think about. And if we did have real zombies, I would hope they would be the walking dead and not the Z zombies because the Zs were runners. And yeah, I was, I'm not I can, a runner. I can deal with the walkers, but not the runners. Some of us use the word zombie to kind of describe those that might need to be dead in a certain situation. Well, now you're starting to sound like, you know, and with all due respect, Texas way of living, like the he <laughs> needed killing your honor defense, you know, that kind of thing. And we say that we, we're, we're laughing and we're saying that jokingly. And we're not we're not joking about people being dead. But there are just sometimes when if you're living in a law abiding type of society or community and there are some people that are going to violate that you got to do something about it. Yeah, if they're coming to take the the food from your family, they need to be dead. Well, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, that's we're talking kind of about, yeah, and we're talking about what we will not face and hopefully right. that's not going to be right. happening. Yeah. 
we're also not going to face an alien invasion. Yeah, you know, a lot of folks may take issue with that, too, because a lot of people think that we've either already been visited by aliens and that aliens regularly do visit. And that's a whole nother type of a topic for which I can tell you I'm not qualified to expound upon. No, there are those that believe that they live among us today. And I've met a few folks that made me wonder, but anyway. And some believe that they have a secret base underground somewhere. This is still not what we're talking about, invasion. No, we're not we're we're not talking about the the, the UFO landing of the Canamits, you know, coming down like in Twilight Zone and that and, and uh, the nineteen fifties movies where you had all of the different alien invasions and fun to watch, but not something that we're going to be actually dealing with. And the last one that we're going to touch on is global flooding. Yes. Even though climate change experts are lauding long and loud about the rising sea levels and the melting ice caps and the warming of the planet and the different climate type things that do seem to be happening and they are measuring We do know that it's promised in God's word that the earth, the globe of earth, will never again see 100% flood situation like Mm -hmm. it did in the days of Noah. And we are reminded of that from time to time because God put a rainbow in the sky to remind us of his promise. Exactly. The interesting thing about a rainbow, you have to have some rain to have a rainbow. Yes, yes. So it's very, very interesting. Sometimes we can think it's going to just, you know, and we've seen some major floods. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to face a global flooding situation because God said he would never again destroy the earth by water. That's what he said. So this is where we are as far as asking ourselves the question, are we doomsday preppers or are we practical preppers? And we certainly want to fall upon the side of being practical. We believe that preparedness is a logical and intelligent way to live. We think that not being prepared is a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. When other disasters come, you don't want to be an additional disaster when an emergency or something like that arises. But to be a doomsday prepper may be too unbalanced. You may be prepping for one very cataclysmic thing or another without facing the things that are really likely to happen. So that's why we're asking you to also do your own threat assessment. Wherever you live in the world, you know what your weather situation is. You know what your community situation, your government, your financial standing, all of the different things that your life touches. Those are the areas for which you should evaluate your risks, your dangers, your emergencies. And it is those things you should prepare for. And you should also prepare with that ultimate preparation. And that ultimate preparation is being prepared for eternity. And we don't want to get to the end of time without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. So that's the ultimate prep ultimate preparation that we can possibly make. Amen to that. If you'd like more information, drop us an email. We'll be glad to chat with you and explore that. And and we would love to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because people's stuff does happen, and we want you to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. If you would like to support us, you can buy us a cup of coffee or you can start your Amazon shopping from our links. Both are on the front of the website.